from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. What's going to drive markets this week is going to be what's drive, going to drive markets probably for the next month or two. It's all about inflation. Certainly, the job market is related uh, to inflation. We want more labor participation to help ease pressure on wages. So we're going to get some evidence of that on Wednesday and Friday with these two employment reports. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast with Ryan and Jeff. Jeff, this is a very special LPL Market Signals I cannot disclose where I am. I can't do that till the event is over. All I can say is I'm coming to you live from a hotel somewhere in Mexico. And on the YouTube channel, Jeff, I'm sharing Ryan working hard or hardly working. What is your take? Do you think I'm working hard with our advisors down here in Mexico at a beautiful resort or am I hardly working? I'm gonna lean toward the hardly working, but <laughs> only because when you talk to our advisors, you know, you really have fun with it, right? These are yes. these are not just business colleagues; these are friends. So I'll lean hardly working, but but obviously, in interacting with advisors is is part of your job. It, it is, and we got in Sunday, and I was tiring. Monday just went hard all day, so today is Tuesday as we're recording this, and my calendar opens up a little bit. So I'm going to write a blog and do some things tomorrow. Assuming, actually, this might be my last podcast, Jeff. Actually, come to think of it, tomorrow in the. Um, the forests of Mexico somewhere, I'm going to do some zip lining. So assuming I survive the zip lining, I will be back next week. But that's, that should be fun. You ever zip line by chance, Jeff? I did. I zip lined in Costa Rica. Oh, and, okay. Uh, my wife chickened out, but I, I did it. And man, it was high up in those trees. So <laughs> I, yeah. I can't lie. I was nervous. Yeah, so I, I have ziplined before up in the um, up in the mountains, up in the Carolinas, uh, North Carolina region, Blowing Rock, one of my favorite areas of the whole world, uh, up in that area, Boone. Um, so when they they had the opportunity, I'm going to go with some of our top advisors and, and zipline in the in the mountains and the hills and the forests of Mexico. So hopefully I make it. But let's get into it, Jeff. There's always a lot to talk about. And again, guys, if my uh, picture on the YouTube channel doesn't look quite the same or my voice sounds a little different, I'm in a hotel room. <laughs> Who knows how the Wi-Fi is going to be, but we're going to try and get through this. So we titled this week's uh, podcast, Jeff, uh, Next Phase for the Bull. We're going to take a look at S&P 500. We did just tick down our S&P 500 for, uh, fair value target. We're going to dive into why we did that. We're also going to take a look at economic growth. We're seeing some signs of potential slowing, what all that means. Also going to do a little yield curve talk. And then April seasonality. April is a really, really strong month historically. We're going to dive into that. But Jeff, we'll just start it off. This week's weekly market commentary, I'm going to turn it over to you. We did lower our S&P 500 target a little bit. Um, uh, what was the number? I mean, it's hard to pick one reason, right? Pick one, pick a favorite kid, although some days you can pick a favorite kid. What was kind of the one of the main reasons we decided to lower our S&P 500 target just a little bit? Yeah, it was overwhelmingly because of higher interest rates. Yep. Right. So when interest rates rise, future profits for companies are worth less in today's dollars, right? As interest rates rise, stock valuations tend to come down. Uh, and you can see that in the chart, you know, for those uh, watching on, on YouTube, uh, the relationship's really clear, right? If you have high interest rates, you tend to have low valuations and vice versa. So this year alone, uh, the 10-year treasury yield is up about 95 basis points. Right. That is a big move. And so, um, you know, while we thought maybe 21, 22 uh, on the PE was fair at the start of the year, uh, now, you know, more like 20, a little higher than 20 possibly uh, makes more sense. So if you just take a point 
off your price to earnings ratio target, you go down about 4% on the S&P 500. So we still think we'll get to 5,000 early next year, but getting there by the end of this year is going to be tougher. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, you know, there's a couple different ways stocks can go up, right? I mean, multiples can go higher. You can have years where multiples go higher and S&P goes higher. You also can have earnings, right? Our earnings can, can increase and kind of help multiple, help uh, help stocks go higher. So we're talking about, we're concerned a little bit about the multiple part, but Jeff, the earnings part, uh, we've talked about this before, and earnings season's right around the corner. Earnings have been pretty good this year though, right? So that's kind of helped justifying, again, why we think stocks are still in a bull market, right? Absolutely, yeah. I, I continue to be impressed with uh, how well corporate America has managed all these challenges, right? Supply chains, inflation, uh, wage pressures, shortages, all of that. Uh, and yet through all of that this year, uh, earnings estimates are up about 2% year to date. Yep. I mean, that's, you know, in fact, right now our estimates 220 for S&P 500 earnings per share this year. That's probably too low. Consensus is, um, you know, 227 and rising. So uh, we'll see what happens this earnings season if that number goes higher from here. Uh, but um, yeah, we're going to possibly have to revisit our earnings forecast. So this is not about earnings. This is not about even fundamentals more broadly. Uh, this is strictly a valuation call. Yeah, absolutely. And you, know, you think about last year, right? We'll hit rewind for a second. Came into the year expected S&P 500, 500 earnings to be about 165 at the end of the day, came in well over 200. So that was last year, right, where estimates came in way better than expected. And again, this year, we're starting not quite as strong, um, but but it's pretty positive. I mean, Jeff, we're probably going to dive well into earnings season next week. But maybe let's just give a teaser, if you want to, for like 90 seconds. I think our, our friend Sam Stovall has pointed out, oh, it's something like 49 in the last 50 quarters. Earnings going better than expected. Only COVID missed. I mean, do you think we're probably going to beat earnings expectations once again when the quarterly earnings start up here in the next couple of weeks? Oh, no, no guarantees in this business, right. but that right. that's probably as close to a guarantee as you can make that. Yes, uh, companies will beat expectations, uh, but, you know, they're not going to beat it by 20 points or right. which we right. saw last year <clears throat> or even 10 points. Roughly where we've been the last couple of quarters is probably going to be more like the long term average call it four to five points, but that could still mean double digits. We'll see if uh, if the S&P can hit 10% earnings growth, um, that, that'll be a reasonable bogey to shoot for. Yeah, that's that's nice. Um, you know, just yesterday I did a panel uh, with some other members of our team in front of uh, some about 150 of our of our top advisors. And we had a Q&A session. We had a Q&A session afterward. And, you know, one of the questions was, you know, the whole bull market is aging, right? And we pointed out, you know, and we did this last week, actually, on the podcast. And it's the third year of the bull market, right? The bull March 23rd, 2020. And as we pointed out last week, the third year of the bull market, they're not always spectacular, right? The first year gains like 40%. The second year, an average gains like mid-teens. By the time you get to the third year, you're looking at about a 5% average return for that full year with 11 bull markets since World War II. Three of them actually died during the third year. That's not our base case, though. But again, the eight that made it were up, I'm going to say, only, only 5%. That's not the end of the world. When you look at how far we've come, uh, you know, one of the strongest starts to a bull market ever, you know, hey, it kind of temper expectations a little bit. But again, seeing earnings so strong, I think, is one um, 
you know, extra feather in the cap, I guess we'll say for the bowl. So on the YouTube channel now, Jeff, we are sharing, we kind of talked about this, but now we can actually physically see it here. Um, you know, we were 5,000 to 5,100 uh, pre, um, um, fair, fair market value or fair, fair value on the S&P 500. Now we've lowered it to 4,800 to uh, 4,900. And there's the earnings estimates. Um, anything you want to add, Jeff, on, on this? I mean, that earnings estimates, we didn't change, but I don't know. My take is maybe before the end of the year, we might, right? <laughs> Oh, I think the chances are really good uh, that yep. we will. Absolutely. Um, although the, the headwinds are getting stiffer for companies. Yep. I mean, there's right. there's just no doubt. Um, so that'll be really interesting to watch. I think the other piece to this is if you know, you're thinking about asset allocation, building portfolios, uh, you know, maybe stocks do have seven to eight percent upside from here. But on the risk adjusted basis, bonds are starting to look better. Right, we're getting a lot more yield in bonds than we got, you know, certainly a couple of months ago. Um, so, I mean, we were—it wasn't long ago when we were looking at yields of less than one percent for a lot of bonds, <laughs> right? And now, um, you know, a lot of bonds are offering two and a half uh, to three percent. So, the trade-off there—you know—it still favors stocks. We're still recommending an overweight stocks, but it makes sense to maybe pull that back a little bit, take advantage of the huge sell-off in bonds. I mean, stocks are cheaper because they've sold off. We're still down about 4% year to date, but bonds are even cheaper <laughs> relative to where they were relative to stocks uh, compared to year to date. No, and I, we talked about this a little bit last week, but I've been with LPL for six years and I can probably count on one finger the amount of bond questions I tend to get. People tend to ask me, you know, macro views, inflation, Fed, equities, but boy, the question about bonds have been coming in fast and furious and it's only continued at, at the conference I'm at right now. And again, that's the key concept. Last year, bonds had a really, really rough start to the year. Not quite as bad as this year, but historically about the worst start for a year ever. And this year is actually worse uh, for bonds. But what you need to remember is last year, last three quarters, bonds bonds did pretty well. So again, when when things kind of sell off during the week, there's there's always opportunity there. And we still think bonds make sense uh, in, in the right portfolio. And again, we dove a lot more into that last week in the podcast. Um, Jeff, any final comments on equities before we talk a little bit about the economy? Let's keep rolling. Okay, um, maybe. Let's see. Let's see if I can get this to move. Sorry. Come on. There we go. How happy there we go. I to get to. It's, yeah, it's I, don't, I don't even it's know. I don't know it. it was funny because so I traveled all day Sunday to get here, left really early in the morning, you know, from Charlotte, went to Dallas, then came down pretty far south in Mexico. And I got some food at like three o'clock local time. And I said, I have no idea if this is breakfast, lunch, or dinner, but all I know is I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> when you do that all day travel thing. I wanted to get a bite to eat in Dallas. It's such an incredibly big, how do you guys in Dallas do it? That airport, it took me like 30 minutes to get from one gate to the other. I had absolutely no time to get any food. And um, thank God my luggage made it. I was like, oh, my luggage makes it. That is a wild, wild airport in Dallas. But Jeff, let's just spend a couple minutes here. You know, I know sometimes we, we get feedback. We talk too much about sports, but it is March Madness and your Jayhawks made the final four. I'm, I'm going to jump on the Villanova bandwagon, so I just jinxed them. Sorry, uh, but you are—you you didn't go to Kansas, but you're. What's the? Why do you like Kansas first off, and will they win it all? Yeah, I grew up about a half hour from the campus. There you go. Probably That's why. Okay. Half my high school went there, so you know it's just my. Uh, uh, I'm from Overland Park, Kansas, a suburb of Kansas City, and it's basically, unless you went to K State, it's basically a Jayhawk city. So. Always had that kind of in my blood back to the Danny Manning days. Uh, so, yeah, I think they got a shot. I mean, they, they got – they're very athletic and they got a lot of depth. Um, if they can play great defense, I think they can hang with anybody. But to be honest, I mean, I haven't seen the odds or the spreads or anything, but 
I, I got to say Duke's the favorite here. They, they, they looked, they've looked really good. Uh, Villanova is in trouble with that key injury they just sustained, in my opinion. Right now, that's a good point. And Coach K's last year, that would be almost a, a Cinderella story, although the Cinderella story unfortunately lost. But that would be an interesting uh, cap off to an amazing career if Coach K could pull that off. Um, so anyway, let, let's, let's go forward here, Jeff. So we, we're talking about the economy a little bit. There are some signs it's okay. Right? We just talk about earnings being strong. But, Jeff, talk to me. We have seen lately, now lately, let's call it the last two or three weeks, some potential signs of cracking, not an economy that's falling into recession, let's be very clear, but maybe one that's not going to grow between four and a four, four to four and a half percent like we thought when we released our outlook and we lowered our GDP to 3.7%. We might even take it a little lower than that here um, over, over the coming weeks. But talk to me some of the concerns you're seeing with the economy here, Jeff. Yeah, our, our new chief economist, Jeff Roach, follows this the high-frequency data really closely, um, and he's worked for a couple of financial institutions that have credit cards. And so he really knows uh, the credit card business follows the credit card spending data weekly very closely. And so he's noticed in March uh, a little bit of a pullback in consumer spending. Inflation is probably the biggest reason why. That's certainly related to what's going on in Europe. Uh, but the situation in Europe is not helping. <clears throat> and so you have, um, you know, this. you can barely see it on this line. We're showing spending in, on restaurants, uh, recreation, and accommodations, which is hotels, just discretionary weekly spending. And it's come down just a, just a bit here over the last several weeks. So, you know, this combined with, you know, the little bit of a drag from COVID still, it's almost gone, but it's still a little bit of a drag, you know, over the last month or so. And then you've got, um, um, you know, the inflation on top of it. it it's just, it's probably not a 3.7% GDP kind of economy. It, you know, we haven't changed our forecast officially yet, but you're probably going to see something more in the, you know, three, three and a quarter range from us when we um, when we finalize that. But important that that is still above trend. That is still really solid growth and consumers are still in excellent shape. A lot of cash, jobs plentiful, um, wages rising. The, you know, the other side of inflation is incomes are rising nicely. So um, it, it's still a good economy. It's just not quite as good as maybe it could have been. No, good point. I mean, so again, down here, I talked to a lot of our advisors that were coming up from like Minnesota and Wisconsin. They said they literally were leaving like 15 degree weather and to come down here, which is a little warmer in Mexico. And I just got to thinking like, yes, maybe recently consumer spending has dipped a tad, but maybe it's just because a lot of the places is really cold. I and mean, what's the weather like in Boston, Jeff? It's been pretty cold lately, right? Don't ask. Well, that yeah, that's why I kind of, you know, wore my, my tropical shirt here <laughs> and I have my um, Margaritaville mug. I wanted to try to imagine I was with you there in, in Mexico. Right. How right. warm is it there before I answer your question? Well, you know, we're right on the beach. And again, in a little bit, we were originally going to have guys right behind me, the the, the water. So I'll open the, and it's just going to blind you. <laughs> but I'm right here. It's like 79 degrees every day. It's almost like a perfect little San Diego land where it never quite gets super hot, but the sun is out. We filmed some videos down on the beach yesterday. I got a little, little, uh, little sun on, on the old forehead here. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty perfect weather. I hate the point that out. No, I don't hate it, Jeff. I'm actually glad I get to tell you it was, uh, it was perfect weather down here. But, you know, well, it really it, hurts because it, it yeah. snowed yesterday here in Boston. Wow. Wow. It, okay. Only like a frost kind of, you know, yep. it, it barely, maybe not even an inch, but it, mm -hmm. it did indeed snow and it was um, it was 20 degrees yesterday mm -hmm. when I first checked the weather. So, so again, I guess I think I, we're going to be a little warmer today, but, good. you know, not much more than 30. So yeah. you're uh, yeah, your weather report hurts. 
Yeah, I mean, we're like 30 Celsius, I think. But anyway, um, you think that's what they use down here. <laughs> anyway, um, you think about it. So maybe that's some of the reason consumer spending has been a little weak, but still definitely, like I said, the economy is a, a touch weaker than we thought. I will point out a couple things just before we started. So I didn't have a ton of time to dive in. But consumer confidence number actually went up a little bit from last month. So baby steps in the right direction. Uh, last month, and again, this is backward looking, I'll admit, but U.S. manufacturing PMI came in at a six-month high and delivery lead times are starting to slow uh, to the most we've seen in a while. So, so again, some positive steps there. Um, and the services PMI was an eight-month high. Um, and what do I have? Uh, new orders grew at the fastest pace since June of 21. So again, economy slowing a little bit, yes. But again, there are some, some positives. And one of those regional, KC, the KC Fed, your neck of the woods, uh, the KC Fed had a record in factory um, activity pickup, according to that regional survey. So again, some worries, yes, but some, 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 some pretty positive signs out there. Jeff, I think the big thing this week um, would probably be the jobs report on Friday, right? I mean, it's 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 a monthly jobs report. It's amazing how you blink and it's it's the first Friday of the month. Um, what, you, what are you looking for here? 400,000, million, 2 million? I don't know. It's one of those numbers. What do you, what do you expect on Friday? Well, this is a really hard one to predict because, you know, yep. again, we're looking at this high frequency data and it suggests that maybe um, things got a little you know, less optimistic, let's say, for corporate America in March. Sure. And, but yet at the same time, you know, I've been getting out there more and more. It, it just does not appear that COVID is restricting activity, you know, anymore. Almost mm -hmm. no uh, restraint, I would say, in terms of what's right. happening. Um, I mean, you know, if, if mass mandates are coming off in Massachusetts, you know, New York, California, then they're off everywhere right um everything's open um so you know that's a good sign so maybe the COVID situation gives you a little upside but the mm -hmm. inflation situation maybe gives you a little bit of downside so i'm going to say you know a little bit light of the 490 consensus number i saw but you know 400 i think is reasonable um as as, as a forecast it's just hard you know again given the sort of mosaic here it's hard to to make a call of you know, more than half a million, in my opinion. Yeah, it was one of the themes that we have seen for months now. The headline number, maybe it comes in a little bit weak, but the bottom line is you get revisions higher uh, in, in, in the future. We were seeing earlier this year some really low numbers relative to what was expected. Everyone's scratching their head like, how's that even possible? I remember Steve Leesman on CNBC said this is the first time in his career he just doesn't believe what the government's saying. I don't think there's been another example of that, but at least when it comes to data, he's like, I don't believe, I don't believe these numbers. And sure enough, they drastically increase some of the numbers in, in the future. So just be aware of that. We're going to slice and dice number on Friday, but then two, three months from now, they're probably going to revise it higher. I'll just, just for fun, and this is again before we did, I'm just going to say 514,000. You heard it there first, totally random, just maybe a little higher, but who knows? Might, might, um, might, might, might be a, a YouTube um, sensation if I nail the 514,000, or literally nobody cares. But that's a. I'll, I'll say 414 then, so that way we can remember the numbers easily. That's true because we'll forget. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see what happens on Friday. But again, the key, is, yeah. the key is labor force participation. There's so many job openings. If people actually take those jobs instead of staying home or continuing their retirements, right? Then you know we we could maybe uh, see some upside. That that's the key. No, absolutely. So um, you know, one of the we didn't have this slide in there, but it's just so important. I think to discuss is the yield curve. Um, Jeff, we have been seeing steepening. I'm sorry, wrong word. 
flattening of various yield curves, the five-year, 30-year just inverted, the 210, at least as we speak, hasn't inverted, but I know it's uh, it's uh, it's getting close. Um, you know, so that's that's the worry, right? We, as nearly everyone knows by now, um, you know, every recession since World War II has seen an inverted yield curve ahead of it, and then the recession soon comes. So with all these different yield curves, Jeff is the, to play on NCAA, is the shot clock started now? You know, are, are we on recession watch? I mean, what what is, what, is, what is your take? Is it such an important concept? Yeah, not yet, but mm-hmm. we're sure we're getting a little closer. I mean, the, the the historical pattern is the Fed tightens until something breaks, right? Yeah. They drive us into recession. They've only done one hike. It's just too early for things to break. You know, the, the market, I think, is pricing in um, 10 hikes, maybe 11 hikes, this year and next at this point and and we're done with one so even though the two-year yield is going to price in those hikes for the market to potentially break and the recession signal to start uh, we think you want to look at shorter term rates so we follow the three-month tenure more than the two-year tenure and that is still quite steep uh somewhere in the neighborhood of 185 basis points right now so um you know, and by the way, the shot clock starts, but it goes, it runs for like a year, year and a half. You know, mm-hmm. continue the basketball analogy. It's like, remember back in like the 60s and 70s when there was right. no shot clock? <laughs> Somebody would just yeah, exactly. dribble around for an hour and it would be like six to four. So that that's kind of like the yield curve now, right? We'll get a signal probably at some point in the next year, but then it typically takes 12 to 18 months before the recession to start. So you know, if you ask me, are we going to have a recession in 2024? I'd say, yeah, I'll, more likely than not. Sure. But mm-hmm. 2023, I don't think so. 2022, I don't think so. Yeah, no, interesting points there. And again, the three-month, 10-year, that's definitely one Lawrence Gillum, fixed income strategist on our team, has been noting that you know that's actually been steepening, right? It was the first time in history, I think two weeks ago, where the three-month ten-year made a multi-year high, yet the two-year ten-year made a multi-year low. I mean, there's some really unique things taking place here. But again, when you have a Fed finally hiking rates, when you have a Fed finally taking its foot off the off the gas pedal, you know there are some unique things taking place. I, I like to say the yield curve is important, yes. But I think we talked about this yesterday um, in front of our advisors down here in Mexico. What the credit markets are saying is maybe even a little bit more important, right? High yield spreads, um, what swaps are doing. We're, we saw some stress in credit markets about a month ago, but they've come back drastically. So to keep it real simple, if the credit markets aren't overly concerned about the economy, then I don't think we should be overly concerned. And the economy still looks pretty solid to us. So it's something we watch literally every single day. Yield curve absolutely matters. But again, there are some other positives that are out there. Um, and um, that's kind of how we see it. So, Jeff, the final thing we wanted to talk about was April. But I might right now on the YouTube channel, I might just open this up and maybe for a split second you guys will see it. But it's going to be so bright. You can see my my very miserable view. Here we go. <laughs> there it is. Oh, it's just too bright. Just too bright in it, Jeff. Too bright. I, I can't oh, see anything. Yeah, it's too, there. too sunny okay. there. I really yes. feel for you. There's just too much sun there in Mexico in your 80 degree weather. Yeah, I know. It's it's it's. I mean, it's rough. You know, somebody somebody's got to do it. But I swear there is an ocean right behind me. It's funny how, how bright we were. That was the plan originally. We were going to do this. And by the way, so right before we start doing this, I go in our Zoom account, and Zoom says you can't log in because you're in Mexico. 
<laughs> so we had to use WebEx. So thank you to Neil, our producer, for coming up with the idea to use WebEx instead as we record this. But I didn't expect to see that, but it happened. Um, so anyway, nonetheless, Jeff, April is upon us. Now, that's a good thing for equity investors. And I'll just throw some numbers at you here. This was crazy. I didn't realize this, Jeff. If you look at the last 16 years for the S&P, the month of April has been down once. That is higher, 15 wow. out of 60, I know. 15 out of 16 years. Since 1950, April is officially the best month. Just a tick better than November, um, but still the best month since 1950. The last 20 years, April is the best month again. And the last 10 years, the second best month. So all these different things, and every year this comes up and people think they're gonna have a reversion to the mean. And then sure enough, no, stocks kind of keep trickling higher. Um, my base case, I've set up kind of on these podcast is I think we made a potentially a pretty significant low in March. I wouldn't be shocked at all if April kind of continue the upward trajectory. What do you think, Jeff? Will we have seasonality playing again and have some uh, April green or or maybe not? What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm i going with green. I think uh, yeah. it's not just because I have an April birthday. Uh, we, we're probably, actually the headlines coming out just, just now are talking about uh, maybe a path to a ceasefire in Ukraine. Right. That would be helpful on a number of fronts. I mean, if you want to boil down what this market cares about now more than anything else, it's one thing, inflation, right? Yeah. And if you have uh, a ceasefire in Ukraine, that can bring down commodity prices. Uh, and, and hopefully the market can get comfortable with an inflation peak coming in March or April. And then mm -hmm. you know that can help stabilize interest rates, which is, as we just talked about, key part of stock valuations, all these things work together and, and I think can push stocks higher uh, in, in April. Add to that earnings season, which if the market's going to focus on corporate America as opposed to these other things, I think that's a win uh, as well. So I, I think, you know, adding a couple points to the S&P in, in April is uh, is good bet here. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, sell a may go away. We'll talk about that when we get there. It's kind of a weak seasonal time, although, you know, doesn't always play out that way, but again, just be aware that April is a pretty darn strong month, and uh, that's just something investors should be aware of. So, Jeff, we're kind of reaching the end of the road here, and this week's podcast, I need to get out and work on my tan here in a second. So, what do you think is going to drive markets this week, or what should investors be following? Yeah, what, what's going to drive markets this week is going to be what's drive, going to drive markets probably for the next month or two. It's all about inflation. Certainly, right. the job market is related. Uh, to inflation, we want more labor participation to help ease pressure on wages. So we're going to get some, hopefully, some evidence of that on Wednesday and Friday with these two employment reports from ADP and and um, you know the official um, uh, BLS jobs report. So that that's probably um, what's going to get the most attention. But we do get this February data for consumer spending and incomes, and that's the Fed's favorite inflation measure, the core PCE, which hopefully can. I think it's probably going to be over six core PCE, but hopefully we'll hang in there and, and have a five handle. Uh, and, and again, markets really want to see a peak on that number soon. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, absolutely. So, yeah, lots going on. But the bottom line is, you know, I think I saw a headline and I didn't verify this, but the last 10 days, S&P gained nearly 10 percent, clearly one of the. One of the best 10-day rallies we've ever seen in, in stocks. And you look back in history, and when you see some of these these blasts of strength like we've seen the last 10 days, they tend to support the idea that there's actually more strength coming. People don't quite realize that, the idea of a bear market bounce versus a, maybe a continuation of a bull market. Bear market bounces, 
they usually don't extend you know that strong you have a day or two then they roll over they're fast and quick this is a this this feels a little bit different hate to say this time is different the four most dangerous words said sir john templeton but we have seen strength like this before in a short period of blast of time and uh, they've, they've been pretty good signs. So we'll, we'll keep watching it though. So um, thank you to the internet here at the resort. I think we've made it through uh, through this whole podcast. Thanks to Jeff as always for a great uh, discussion. Thanks to Neil for helping us put this together with a few pickups early when we started. And thanks to you guys, the listeners, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a subscribe, give us a positive review, however you can do those things to help uh, this podcast. It does go a long way. So I guess I will be back in South Carolina next week. Um, you'll be around next week, right, Jeff? Normal, normal, same as always. I'll be around next week. I'll uh, maybe I'll keep keep this trend going of pretending I'm in a warmer climate. Well, so let's see here. So next Tuesday will be the day after the championship game, if my math is right. So you might be uh, you know, be up all night partying if your Jayhawks take it home, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll get lost like my brother did after the Super Bowl. We'll see. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. That's my favorite bookbinder story ever. We'll bring that up next week. The brother that got lost after Super Bowl, but hopefully you don't get lost if your Jayhawks, uh, your Jayhawks win. I'll, I'll wing the podcast without you. I'd, I'd be proud of you if you're going to have some fun. But good luck to uh, the final four teams. Good luck to everybody else out there uh, with the crazy markets and crazy inflation and everything that's going on. Um, but we're here for you. So just keep listening to the podcast, and we'll keep doing it. We'll see everybody next week with the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals Podcast. See everybody later. Bye bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.